Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, Duffy goes Duffy out cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. All right, back in your life, back in your life, Wednesday. Just relax, back in your life, Wednesday, April 5th, 2023, episode 401 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Kempo thought we might get canceled after, uh, maybe we cross some lines on Monday. I don't think so. No, no, fine. We're fine. We're fine. fine. <laughs> so Kempo is headed out, wheels up for PFL2. And Big Gun Brian Petrie is with us. And these are the 12 weeks that I get most excited about because you guys go head-to-head on pay-per-views. That's a nice jean jacket, Bri. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Thank How's you very much. With you? How's everything with you, bro? I'm good, man. Nice little week off. I rearranged my office. I uh, you know, I can't sit still for five seconds. I clean out my garage. We, we did okay. We did okay for the week off. We'll update the standings here in a little bit. But that Anakin Florian podcast parlay, it's been available twice on mm-hmm. the DraftKings Sportsbook application. You guys got one home this past weekend. I know Mel hey. Cop made it a three-legger instead of a four-legger, but uh, mm-hmm. nicely done on the Anakin Florian podcast, Parley, getting that home kit. Not too bad. Big brains. Ken Flo and I with the big <laughs> brains. <laughs> right. If you combine both of our brains, yes. it's one decent brain. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So I have a few things that I want to get into with yes. you, and then we will transition to the standings and ultimately our seven, I think, UFC 287 selections. But this main event challenge that you now spearhead, mm-hmm. Brian Petrie is on air talent at the Anakin Florian podcast. Nobody's taking your seat. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. if you do something like, right, when, sure. in, in, in your personal life, right, that gives <laughs> sure. us no choice, right? Or right. maybe yeah. you use some language on social media. That of course. Call, by the way, John, are you making yeah. that call? Are we, do we yeah. do it together? Uh, Is it like you know, Cody? We have Cody. Just do it. Cody, just tell yeah. Brian he's done. What do we do? What do we do? Well, Cody fair. might act as middleman, but Kenny, you're the you're ultimately the last line of defense. You own <laughs> okay, 51. Is my responsibility? Yeah. I got to yeah. call. That's okay. Anytime right. I want to. <laughs> If I want to pay Will Berger a little extra production assistant, I got to go through Kenflo. So Kenflo's the last line of defense. But for a while on this show, mm-hmm. we would have a different listener slash handicapper every week mm-hmm. making predictions against Kenny. And we honed in on a couple guys that were maybe a little bit more talented than the rest. But the impression that you left on us obviously led to a full-time gig in this mixed martial arts space. And we congratulate that. We congratulate you on that. But I guess I'm just curious because I overheard you and Cody during the pre-show. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first episode of this podcast since we're celebrating our eight-year mm-hmm. anniversary this week? What was the first episode you listened to? Episode one. I've been there since episode one. N- n- number one. I started driving 
uh, professionally. That's my job, right? I start driving and you know, you're on the road, you need podcasts. There's only so much music you listen to. I don't like a ton of stuff. You know, I some barstool stuff's good, you know, part of my take, but I was looking through the MMA stuff and I'm like, what is this garbage? If I'm being honest with you. And I saw you guys and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, there we go. And so I've been, I've been day one. I've been there day one. And this is why it's so cool. I mean, 400 episode was last episode that the longtime fan is on. And trust me, I've listened to the guest call-ins. I've listened to the, the other people who are on the show. And I go, I could probably be, I can do better than that. I can do better than that. You know what I mean? And now I, now I get to prove it. Now I get to prove it. So oh, it's yeah. very surreal. And it's, it's, it's a very dream come true S situation. I can't, I, I still can't believe I'm sitting here, but it's wild. And so congratulations you, on 400 episodes. It's you've unbelievable. You've been with us the whole time. You've been the whole, with time. Us the whole time. Yeah. Oh, scouting yeah. what people are doing. Oh, okay. Yeah. He fumbled that one. I got this one. You know what I mean? So that's why we're here. We're here. I now. probably should have known though, right? Because there are a lot of different reasons why you're here, but your MMA mm -hmm. acumen is chief among them. Comedy a close second, maybe. Looks Thank very you. much in the top three. But you've Thank been watching you. this shit since Yeah. Since you were a very, very young man, right? So you have 14? this great historical framework for mixed martial arts. So there is a there is a VHS right there on the wall that's UFC hits volume one. That started the whole thing. I bought that at Blockbuster for five dollars. And that led up to all the way to UFC 25. It kind of gave a review of what's going on. And that's when I'm like, holy shit, this is for me. And then right around the corner from that was UFC 40. That was the first pay-per-view I ever ordered. UFC 40, Ken Shamrock versus TRT's one. And I've never looked back. Haven't missed a pay-per-view since. So uh, we've been here, man. So to what extent do you build your weekends around either MMA fights on Saturday nights or UFC pay-per-views mm. in particular. And I ask it in the context yeah. of PFL one last Saturday, because yeah. while maybe this was a break or a respite for the average UFC fan for a mixed martial arts fan, you're going 52 weeks a year, essentially. Sure. Right. Yeah. It was a nice thing. I couldn't bet on the PFL. We, we don't have it available in Ohio. So I had a blank knife for whatever reason. We couldn't bet on it, but I had some leans for sure. Gave them to a couple of my buddies who were in different States that could bet on it. Uh, yeah, it was nice. I was with the kids. My wife worked all day. She she was like a long day for us, like 15 hours. So I was with the kids all day. Nice little break at night watching the PFL and uh, hearing my guy Ken Flo killing on the mic. And it was fun. Yeah, it's 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 a break, but not really break. I didn't have to sweat any bets, um, but it was it was nice watching it as a fan. I do like getting to listen to Ken Flo. I am I am ingesting a lot of the PFL these days, and a lot of that mm -hmm. is to hear Kenny. And as I've mentioned on these airwaves, I'm not saying this to make you laugh. This is just facts. Maybe this will piss you off. But sometimes Ken Flo <laughs> gets hostile on Twitter on fight nights, mm -hmm. right? Whether he's hostile with just the overall vibe on Twitter, just the average MMA fan. And again, we're talking about a 10% minority here on social media. But it's interesting for me to listen to the evolution of Ken Flo's commentary, you know? Get a little more order as he gets older, you know? Damn, when he sees man, bad mixed martial arts fight IQ. All right. Mm -hmm. Let me update the standings. And it. we're doing this based upon UFC Fight Night Vera versus Sandhagen. So plus money for both of you chaps. Petrie goes three and one plus two hundred and forty dollars. Ken Flo three and one with the two unit hit on Holly Holm. So Florian plus two hundred and thirty five dollars nice. for the week. Overall updated board. Ken Flo plus two hundred and sixty dollars. Petrie still in the red minus eighteen eighty. Huge swing fight on Chidi and Jaquani and Albert Duraev. That would have been oh. huge mm -hmm. had Ken Flo gotten that one home instead, right? It's a $240 swing to Petrie. So nice. big, big result there. And Brian, real quick, I just yeah. wanted to say Evan Longoria, 
who is off to a pretty good start for the Arizona Diamondbacks in this is 16th yeah. major league season, texted me that heretofore, respectfully, he would like you guys to always pick the main events and Perfect. pick another no fight problem. to abstain. Sure. So from no now problem. on, on the Anakin Florian podcast, you guys must submit a selection on every main event. And speaking of which, this Saturday, how good is this? UFC 287, Ooh. loaded top to bottom. And of course, we close it out with this outstanding rematch. The longtime rivals, Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya, facing off once again for the middleweight title. And you can throw down for your shot to win big with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet just $5 on a pre-fight money line and get 150 in bonus bets if your fighter wins. A lot of really good fighters who are underdogs this weekend. Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, Rob Fonson underdog. Santiago Ponzinibbio. We have seen some Ponzi steam this week. Title fight between Pereira and Adesanya. Exceedingly close. We'll see where the line ends up closing. Pereira right now is a slight underdog and a good time for you to get in the game. And if you've already been in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, not to worry because all customers can get closer to the Octagon excitement with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. You combine multiple UFC 287 bets into one ticket for a shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Not now, but right now. Use code AFPOD. New customers can bet just $5 on a pre-fight money line and get 150 in bonus bets if your fighter wins this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook with code AFPOD. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Buckle up, boys. UFC 287, Pareda versus Adesanya 2, live on pay-per-view. We are going to pick the featured prelim in the middleweight division out of respect to Gerald Mershart, who many of you heard from earlier this week right here on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Middleweight matchup, Joe Pfeiffer, minus 190, Gerald Mershart, plus 160. No stranger, obviously, Brian, to be in the underdog. Mm-hmm. Pfeiffer, 26 years old. Very much a finisher like GM3. How do you see this one at 185 pounds playing out? Be like Joe Pfeiffer. I mean, what a soundbite for a great young fighter. I mean, couldn't get any better. I mean, a lot of maybe a lot of pressure on you, but couldn't get any better. This is just a great fight. This is young talent versus old talent. Not saying GM3 is old. It's only 35. He's in the prime of his career, especially at that weight. But... This is a vet versus a guy who hasn't had that many fights yet. You know, this is so interesting to me. And GM3 is so hard to cap, right? He goes out there and drowns. We don't talk about Bruno Silva uh, in the third round. And then he lays kind of a flat performance over a winnable, winnable Christoph Jocko, who, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of money on that fight. You know what I mean? He's hard to read, but he's a pure finisher. He's a pure get after it type of guy. He can strike. He can grapple, obviously. His wrestling is, is is in the middle. Joe Pfeiffer, a lot of questions need to be answered. This guy just knocks everyone out. Athletic, powerful, strong. My gambling play for this fight is it won't see the judges. I mean, that's a lock. You throw you throw the house on that, right? But we're picking sides here, so I'm going to lean Joe Pfeiffer. I'm not overly confident because DM3 cashes as a dog so many times that it's it's you can blindly bet him as a dog and you'll be all right. But I think Joe Pfeiffer's got some juice. I don't know. I want to see where this goes. So give me Pfeiffer inside the distance but I'm not overly confident. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt sip smell routine or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes Wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC.
Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. Ken Flo, you can argue right now Gerald Merchard at 35 is displaying the best form of his career. Will it be enough? Joe Pfeiffer minus 190, Gerald Merchard plus 160. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm with Brian here. Absolutely tricky one to pick, in my opinion. Uh, and, and that's why I'm going with the underdog here. I'm going to go with Mearshart here. Uh, although, again, I think that Pfeiffer definitely has some juice, as BP uh, said. I think that uh, he's an absolute knockout artist. Uh, you know, Mearshart's going to have to really be on his game, make sure that he's not throwing himself off balance when he throws uh, to get countered. And um, I also think Brian is correct that uh, Gerald at times can be difficult to bet because he has some phenomenal performances and then he has some kind of performances where he is a little bit flat. So this is a tricky one. I think this is a big step up for Pfeiffer. If Pfeiffer gets by Gerald, I think that's when you're going to start to see even more hype uh, go behind Joe Pfeiffer's name. So I'm going to go with GM3, though. GM3 can be had plus 160 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. We stay at middleweight for this next one. Deep breath. Brian Petrie's buddy, the action man, Chris Curtis. He was the favorite against Kelvin Gastelum when I first mm-hmm. sent out the odds, boys. Now KG minus 130, Curtis plus 110. Curtis has won 9 of 10 to get to 30 professional MMA wins. And on the other side, don't have to tell you, boys, Gastelum has fought them mm-hmm. all. He has fought seven UFC champions. Now he draws Chris Curtis. Brian Petrie, we know you're picking Chris yes. Curtis. You get yes. plus 110, but break it down for us if you'd be so kind. So I got the shirt on. Stop running. Chris Curtis right here, baby. Support my guy. This does not leave my body during the fight week. I shower with this on. Uh, listen, it isn't shocking why I'm picking Chris here. And Chris and I actually talked yesterday. We had a conversation. Some people don't know this, but I met him during his fourth pro fight. And I started capping fights for him. I started looking at opponents. I would buy uh, fight footage of people, local shows of guys who would fight on the undercard just so I could see what they have and I would break them down for him. And obviously he's got great coaches. We don't do that, but we had a little powwow yesterday. Very nice conversation with the guy. He's ready. He's locked in, right? He's got a great camp. He's he's doing, I don't want to do his secrets, but he's got a great camp. He's working things well. Kevin's as tough as they come. This is the biggest name Chris has fought. I know Kevin's on a two-fight skid, and but he's fought everyone, right? And this guy is a legit dude. Moved back to Arizona. Saw a picture of him. Looks kind of lean. Tells me he's wrestling a little bit. Back to his roots. Wrestling with Cejudo and all those guys. That's why I think here, Chris has 100% takedown offense in the UFC. But outside the UFC, the knock on him before he became uh, in the promotion was you could take him down a little bit. You could wrestle him. You can rough him up. He has since fixed that. Problem with Chris, though, is you take him down, he's harder to hold down. And I don't think Kelvin, who took his last win with six takedowns over Ian Hines, that means Ian Hines got up seven times. You know what I mean? Kelvin isn't the guy that holds you down. Dagestani wrestling style. He takes you down to get you up. He takes you down to get you up. Um, the one thing that this fight just screams to me, because I've watched every single Kelvin fight this week, is volume. Kelvin hasn't thrown over or landed over 100 strikes in a fight, including his five rounders ever. 91's the biggest top he's ever had. Chris has done that once in a three-round fight against Rodolfo Rivera. And Chris needs 
pressure, it needs volume. And I think this is going to be a boxing match. I think Chris is going to stop the takedowns. I'm sorry I'm long-winded here. I'm very excited no, about I this fight. Uh, but I think Chris has better boxing, better hands, better defense. I think Kelvin has that slap left hook, one, two. Maybe he leads with the left hand. I think Chris is going to read that. Kelvin's also struggled with southpaws. Chris is a very dominant southpaw. Now, this is a jumbo, jumbo whale play, five-unit max. I'm Ooh. getting my guy a dog money here. This isn't a friend bet, okay? This is I can support my friend without laying five shekels, right. okay? Uh -huh. This is an ultra-confident man who knows his guy, Dang. and I know my guy. Five unis, Chris Curtis. Let's go. By decision, Calvin's tougher than a $2 stake. Ain't getting him out of there. By decision. I love it. 500 to pay 550 on his guy, Chris Curtis. And you Dang. go as long as you goddamn well, please, especially Sorry, when you're talking I, I don't about a teammate. No, it was uh, great. I get worked up. Ken Flo, Kelvin Gastelum was going to headline against Nasordini Mava back in January. Came up with that nasty mouth injury. He's dropped two straight, five of six. Got to think you're getting a huge effort here out of Gastelum. He's still holding on to a ranking. He got number 15 versus number 14. Gastelum, Curtis, Ken Flo, who do you like? You know, we've seen a little bit of a slowdown from Kelvin, uh, which can be concerning heading here against Chris Curtis. Um, but I, I still think he's got enough to get the win here. I, I think... You know, a, a lot of the assessment that, that Brian talked about, I think, is accurate. I, I do think, though, Kelvin, if he's able to kind of put it all together well enough, he can win enough rounds to get this fight and, and pull it off. I think he's going to be a hard guy to finish. He still has that horse neck. I don't know if Chris Curtis is going to be able to to knock him out. Uh, but Kelvin's as tough as they come. I think his conditioning is going to ha going to have to be on point here. Um, I wonder about the health of his overall body, you know, how healthy he is heading into this fight. If he is, though, if he's able to put it all together, I like Kelvin here by decision. All right, nicely done, Ken Flo. We transition now to our pay-per-view main card opener, 18-year-old Raul Rosas Jr., minus 225, Christian Rodriguez plus 190. And, Bri, I said earlier this week, it's mm -hmm. hard to – think of any 18 year old that has come into the UFC and look like this and he's going to have a chance mm -hmm. now to win two fights before his 19th birthday which comes up in October faces the Milwaukee native Christian Rodriguez who's still just 25 years old in his own right what do you think about Raul Rosas here in the pay-per-view main card opener couple young pups here i legally cannot say what i was doing at these ages real scumbag <laughs> piece of shit stuff i cannot legally say and these guys are fighting at the highest level so much respect to both these gentlemen uh rojas jr is kind of that dude right now people love him i was in vegas his last fight in December and his walkout was electric. People around me were really buzzing for this guy. The whole I'm buying my mom a minivan. It's adorable, right? He's 17, 18 years old, right? You love it. And then you got Christian Rodriguez coming from the Rufus camp, you know, uh, had a solid performance last time out, dropped his debut against Jonathan Pierce. There was no shame in that, dropping that one. Pierce was an absolute stud. Um, this is my toughest, uh, toughest fight to cap on this card for many reasons. A lot of variables here because believe you me, steal something from Michael Bisping there. I am going to fade Rojas Jr. at some point, sooner or later. They keep giving him these balloon numbers. He's still a very young kid. He's got a long way to go. His stand-up is still very much a work in progress. Progress. He's a relentless dude, good grappling, but he's going to get faded at one point. Not today. Christian Rodriguez in his three performances in the UFC, counting the contender series, he's given up 10 takedowns. Rojas Jr. is just going to be hunting for those takedowns. I know Ro uh, Rodriguez is probably planning for that. A little high of a number for me, but if we can get a finish here by Rojas Jr. by submission, you get that at a plus number, I'm liking that, but I think Rojas Jr. is going to take the win here. Ken Flo, Rosas Jr., 7-0. He cranked Jay Perrin's face back at UFC 282 in December. 
second UFC star coming up in a few days in Miami. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think uh, Christian Rodriguez is very well-rounded. I think he's a decent fighter. I don't know if he's going to be able to handle the energy and the pacing of someone like Rosas. Um, I, I think that's probably going to be the difference and the grappling. I, I think Rosas is going to be able to get some good positions, grind out uh, a couple of those rounds, and maybe even get a finish maybe later in the fight. So um, I, I think Rodriguez has some underrated grappling, but I don't know if it's up to par against someone like Rosas at, the, at this stage of the game. Um, let's go with the young gun. Well, they're both young, but Rosas, the yeah. younger gun. The younger gun. I get so excited talking about Raul Rosas Jr. I failed to mention that that is a bantamweight fight, if anybody cares which division in which it'll be uh, contested. All right. Wide price here at welterweight, but not nearly as wide as it was earlier this week when Kevin Holland was closing in on minus 300. He's minus 245 here against Santiago Ponzinibbio, who is plus 205. So some Ponzi steam to be sure. Neither of these gentlemen are ranked right now, Bri, but kind of feel like mm-hmm. both of them are right on the cusp. Ponzinibbio, pretty respectable 11-5 in the UFC. I still feel like he's underappreciated. What kind of chance do you give him to spring the upset here against Kevin Holland? Sound the trumpets, ladies and gentlemen. It is horse racing time, so saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. So right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. All you need to do, deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app, not now, but right now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code FLOW, F-L-O, only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS, 21-PLUS in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on a first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. Yeah, I have it written down right here, John. You, you took the words of undervalued. I think this guy's undervalued. I mean, look at the Jeff Neal fight, and we saw what Jeff Neal just did against Shavkat in that great fight. I mean, he I thought he won that fight. It was very close. He's coming off two losses. His last two losses were fights he arguably could have won. This is a banger, though. This is bang time. I mean, Kevin Holland coming off that fight with Stephen Thompson, just a classic 100-pound, 170-pound strike fest, you know, high-fiving, breaking each other's hands, kicking each other on the fucking head. I love it. I love that shit. And Ponzi, though, this guy shows up all the time. When he was, he had a little bit of a health scare. He had a lot of injuries. He laid on the sidelines for a while and he finally came back. And now this dude's a killer. I remember his Miguel Baeza fight. Miguel Baeza was his young up and coming guy. Baeza basically kicked his leg off and Ponzi wasn't going for uh, taking a step forward back. I mean, that just shows tremendous heart. His last time out against Morono as well, he's losing a lot of that fight and he came back and won. The only reason I'm not hammering Ponzi is the chin. The chin is the biggest pause for me. He's been knocked out three times in his pro career. Morono had him on skates, and Holland can strike. Holland, lanky, long, good striker, has good power for 170. Um, But this Midwest gut of mine and the fact that Kenny is dog-walking me in this main event challenge, I got to take some shots here. So I'm going to rock Ponzi as a dog here. I think that's a really good number on him. I think they're both going to stand up, and and we're going to see who falls over first. And uh, I like Ponzi. I think Ponzi by decision. Kevin's pretty durable. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fight, uh, a great fight. I can't wait to watch it. Kenny and I met Santiago Ponzinibbio in Brazil in, like, 2013 when he – was unable to continue competing on season two of the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, arm in a sling. So yes, inactivity injuries have been a part of the narrative, and that's why he hasn't made it to the top five. But 
big opportunity for him here. He lives in South Florida. Kevin Holland, busy 2022 for him. Ken Flo fought four times, but did close the year with back-to-back losses to Kamzat Chimaev and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Big fight at welterweight. Who takes it? Very interesting fight. I think in a lot of ways, this is a more important fight for Kevin Holland than it is for Ponzinibbio. Uh, For me, anyways, watching, I want to see one of these wins from Kevin Holland before I say, okay, you know, this guy's in it. He's in it. He's focused. um, He's got all the skills to then take his game to yet another level. So, um, but as of right now, I know Ponzinibbio is going to show up. I know he's going to fight hard. My concerns with Ponzinibbio is chin, like you mentioned, and also getting off to a slow start. That has plagued him repeatedly. He forces himself to have to come back in a lot of these fights, and in that process, he sacrifices his bold body, and I think that's why we see him injured all the time. He only knows one gear. That's six gear. He only knows one way to fight. He leads with his head a lot, um, and it gets hit a lot. So um, it, It's a concern, but I also think it's a great style against a Kevin Holland. That high-pressure, fast-paced style, staying in there, not going away, landing shots repeatedly. I think as far as the grappling goes, I think it will kind of nullify itself. Maybe Ponzinibbio wins the, the takedown uh, game there, uh, but I don't see Kevin Holland uh, taking Ponzinibbio down, getting on top too much. I think more than anything else, Kevin Holland's best bet is to keep Ponzinibbio on the outside and just fight like a sniper in that one. Can he do it? I'm not sure. Uh, I'd love to be surprised. I just think there's too much value on Ponzinibbio here. So I uh, got to pick the same way on this one here. Nice. Dude, Smart I love Ken. the ebb and flow with Ken Flo's prediction. Like sometimes I'll mm-hmm. hear you guys say something and I'll start to, you know, pencil in the winner. <laughs> yeah. But Kenny, I have no idea. For He's great at that. He, He's great at that. that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I go, okay, Kenny's going opposite me. Then he hits me with a butt. And I'm like, oh, right. shit. He's pushing <laughs> things up here. Okay. And I Bri, I do think that yeah. you're wise to start injecting some five unit plays into this given mm-hmm. the early I need deficit, to right but need to you also could flip to kevin holland right there right you were trying to pick up some yeah. ground right and yeah. then he goes dog but you don't want to get too cute with it either right sure you know, right. still the month of I, april you know i i will maybe make that decision come saturday if i feel a little frisky you're great you gotta play the game you gotta play yeah. the game johnny you're right <laughs> I, mean, I like i it. remember in march you were like it's only march but now it's fucking april <laughs> so. april it's fucking april it's picking up yeah you're right. right well here's a curveball today ken flo's gonna lead on two of the final three fights including Ooh, this here we one. go feature about a bantamweight ken flo and it deserves to be featured Adrian Yanez, minus 180. Rob Font, plus 155. So Font, number six in the world, need guys like this, right? Putting their ranking on the line and doing so as an underdog against the 12th ranked Yanez. Font certainly motivated right now. That's never an issue for Adrian Yanez, who is 29, 5-0 in the UFC and going for a 10th straight win here. Can't flow great fight. Rob Font, Adrian Yanez. Uh, we need a pick unless you want to abstain. This fight is spicy, kid. I love it. I love this one. You know, a great fights. you need two guys that are willing to go at each other. You need two styles that collide, that create this great fight. And I think we definitely have that here. Uh, Yanez uh, has an awesome dance partner and fought. He loves to move forward. Both these guys, extremely technical, good head movement. They throw all the weapons that you can throw in a fight on the feet. I think that Font will probably have an advantage on the ground. I wouldn't be surprised to see Font try to mix things up and put Yanez on his back. I think that would serve him well here. Although Yanez is good at, you know, 
being defensive down there and getting back to his feet. Uh, but I think Font with his submissions is going to be a little bit more dangerous. And I think control-wise, um, it would be wise to do that, kind of eat some clock, uh, take him down there. But I don't think it's going to be easy. I think Yanez has an ability to kind of drag you into uh, these exchanges on the feet. And when Yanez throws, he'll throw four, five, six strike combinations that are just phenomenal to watch. I'm always in awe when I see that kid. He has proven his toughness. He has proven his conditioning. I think Font has as well in a lot of ways, right? Font is as tough as they come, but he does have some miles on him at this stage of the game. If he's able to go out there and execute and hit some takedowns, I think Font can win this. But I think a fresher Yanez, uh, a Yanez who's able to kind of lull uh, Font into these exchanges and 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 have the fight be on on the feet for the majority of this fight uh, is why I'm going with Yanez. I, I think he's an excellent fighter, uh, potential future champion as well. So um, I'm I'm going with Yanez here. Adrian Yanez minus one eighty. Hey Ken Flo. Yes. Does your hat say Deus as in God, like Deus de Geha? Yes, exactly. It's uh, it's Deus. <laughs> I think it's the uh, like Deus ex machina, as uh, I think that's the reference. It's a, a brand out of Australia. I think it's more the Latin root okay. of Deus. But yes, you are correct. It also means God in Portuguese. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, that's actually one of my favorite hats of yours. And if the manufacturer is watching, he could probably use a new one. He's been wearing this one for many, many years. But (laughs) you're not the type of guy who would wear a hat that says God on it, even though, you know, we sort of we we have you in that divine air, at least on these airwaves. Uh, All right. So Rob Font has dropped a couple straight five rounders to Jose Aldo, Mm -hmm. December 2021, and then Cheeto Vera, April 2022. He finished his first five UFC wins. Three of his last four wins have been by decision. Perhaps he goes Mm -hmm. submission hunting this weekend. Huge fight at 135 pounds. Brian Petrie, who do you have? Kenny did a great job. I think, I mean, listen, I'm never going to besmirch or say a bad word about Rob Font because of what he's done in the octagon. I mean, the, the guy's excitement levels through the roof. Uh, you look at the Cheeto fight. He did well. He landed so many strikes, but Cheeto just kind of built different. And unfortunately, Rob Font got hit too much. Rob Font is a pure volume guy. He doesn't rely on power. He relies on volume and technique. Yanez relies on power. He has technique. Don't get me wrong, but he doesn't throw as much as Rob Font because he has that power to hold him up. This is a typical power versus volume, young versus a veteran. I mean, I fucking love it. I love this. And I agree. Yanez was a guy coming off the contender series that I was like, oh, oh shit, this is a little different, right? And then he's, and then the murderer's row, he's been my golden goose since coming off the contender series. You know, his one only small, and you can't even really call it a hiccup, was the Davy Grant fight, which was very close, but he still looked good. And Davy Grant's an absolute savage, right? But he's finishing everybody. And then you look at Rob Font, who's a great striker, who's been in there, has the better resume, has the better number, has the better ranking, um, has the more experience. But I don't know. I just think Yanez is just going to take it to him. Rafan's never been knocked out before. I think he's getting knocked out. Uh, you know, I think Yanez is going to, he's got enough dynamite, enough power, enough technique to really catch Rafan, who has great boxing, but does get touched quite a bit. And like Kenny said, his last five fights, he's been getting touched a lot. It's only a matter of time for that chin goes down. And, and when you fight a guy like Yanez, who's got big power, I, I'm going to lean on that as well, Yanez by Kale. And another thing too, Adrian, you got enough on your plate, but I want to shout at you at, uh, at Remember the Show. I know you're great on that show. Shout out Jason Nagbala Muhammad. He's a wizard on that show, but I'm taking him down on that for sure. No no doubt about it. But congr- good luck this weekend, Yanez. We got to get an Adrian Yanez, Brian Petrie head to head matchup on Remember the I Show. Want it. So when I was handicapping this fight, I was sort of thinking there should be a new rule for those ranked fighters. And I'm saying this loosely and not totally 
seriously. But if you're the higher ranked fighter and you're the underdog, you should have to fight the guy ranked number 15 in the world and not be able to necessarily protect that ranking. Now, Rob Font mm-hmm. is number six in the world. Could have said, yeah, I just mm-hmm. don't feel like fighting the number 12 guy in the world. And then the promoter right. could say, well, you know, you're a two to one underdog against the number 12 guy in the world that's five and oh in the UFC and all the rage right now. So maybe you got to fight him or we'll just flop you guys in the rankings. You know, yeah. I know the rankings aren't the be all and the end all. And you could ask Bilal Muhammad and several others about all of that. But I don't know. I just feel like oftentimes when you have these matchups of, of fighters fighting down in the rankings, they're mm-hmm. doing so as betting underdogs, which means that, yeah. I don't know, in a meritocracy, those guys should be getting those opportunities. All right. Co-headliner Kenny's going to lead us on this one as well, and then Brian will lead on the main event. Gilbert Burns, minus 475, the king of Miami, Jorge Masvidal, plus 380. Last win for Gamebred came against Nate Diaz, UFC 244 in 2019. Certainly got to think that plays into the price here, Kenny. Also, the fact that Masvidal is going to be 39 in November. Somewhat surprisingly, Burns is going to be 37 in July. 20th UFC appearance for Gilbert Durino Burns, and he makes it as a huge betting favorite. Ken Flo, Burns, Masvidal, under the lights. Miami Date Arena, we wish you could be there. You won't be there. You'll be with the PFL, so we need a pick. You're on mute. Ay, ay, ay. All right, here we go. <laughs> um, so this is interesting, man. Um, you know, if you look at the way that both these guys have, have performed lately, um, you know, I thought Gilbert Burns, even in that loss against Hamzat uh, Shimaev, I thought fought uh, extremely well, proved a lot uh, to himself and to all the fans who watched him that night as far as his heart, his ability to come back. Uh, didn't get the win, of course, but uh, fought valiantly throughout um, and gave Kamzat quite the challenge. Um, Masvidal, I- I've been seeing a little bit of a decline. Um, it's not all the time throughout you know, every round, but every once in a while he'll do something. I'll be like, you know, if that was a few years ago, he would have thrown it a little faster. He would have reacted a little bit quicker to it. Um, that is a bit of a concern. However, um, I think his ability to keep this one on the feet is being underestimated here. Uh, you know, Colby, of course, was able to grind it out and keep a, a crazy pace. Um, I think Gilbert's going to have to do something very similar to that. I just don't think Gilbert's got the same quality of wrestling uh, that Colby Covington has, though. Um, Doesn't mean he can't win that fight. I still think he can. And I think Masvidal's grappling is often underrated as well. Um, You know, even the great Damian Maya wasn't able to finish him, was able to get some great positions on him. I think Gilbert Burns could do that as well. However, I think Masvidal is going to be much better prepared uh, for Gilbert here. Um, I also think that, um, you know, he's a little bit better at staying defensively sound. There are Mm -hmm. times where Masvidal will throw himself off balance a little bit and can get countered. Um, Gilbert Burns isn't quite the countering type. He's more the guy I'm going to walk forward like a juggernaut and take your head off. That, I think, favors Masvidal in, in, in an odd way. I think that he'll be able to slip. I think he'll be able to move. He'll be able to evade and counter Gilbert Burns. Um, I think he still has enough in the tank. It being three rounds is what's telling me to go with Masvidal. If it was five rounds, I'd probably be, be going with Burns. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of value here. I, I think people are underestimating Masvidal. And especially, you know, John, you're talking about it being in Miami. You know, I know he's got a lot of stuff going on. Do I believe that Masvidal 
uh, isn't going to work hard and train hard for this fight in his city and possibly be embarrassed? Do I think that he is, you know, content with the last couple of performances and, you know, leaving his fans kind of waiting for that big performance? No, I, I think he's training hard for this. I think he's very prepared. I also think he sees a lot of value at the end of the tunnel with his history against Leon Edwards, and he realizes that time is now. Um, those things don't necessarily mean that he's going to go out there and win this fight, but it does mean that, he, in my in my eyes, that he's going to work hard during this training camp uh, to get that opportunity to fight for the belt again. And he knows he needs to get by a hungry Gilbert Burns to do it. Um, it's a tough, tough fight, but I think there's too much value there with Masvidal for me to ignore it. I'm going to go with Jorge Masvidal. Masterfully done, Ken Flo. Jorge Masvidal plus 380. And by the way, it took the UFC 20 years to get back to Miami. And all we've heard over the last five or six years that this is the guy that's going to get you back to Miami. And he did it. And obviously you heard Kenny and me weeks ago talk about just the bloated nature of this price. We're not even talking about Gilbert Burns, folks. We're talking about the number. We're not talking about the fighter. But mm -hmm. the notion that Masvidal would not be elevated by this Miami backdrop is crazy. Yes, I mean, Gilbert Burns could be elevated too, right? Trains in Florida. He's got a ton of support down here as well. But dude, when Jorge Masvidal hits that tunnel in Miami, that's going to be the moment of the night. And I'm glad at least one of you sort of alluded to that fact in the handicap. Brian Petrie, mm -hmm. we need a selection here. Gilbert yeah. Burns, Jorge Masvidal. So this Kenny Florian guy is pretty good, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's a, he's pretty good with his uh, yeah. handicapping. Uh, last time there in Miami, UFC 42, Rich Franklin debuted against Evan Tanner. Uh, Cincinnati legend Rich Franklin won that. Let's go. Uh, listen, I tried a few times, a few different ways to break this fight down, right? I went to Yanni the Greek way. Let the stats speak for me. I went the Ohio drunk. Let the subconscious <laughs> gut talk. None of this worked. Dead ends everywhere, right? I can't be a number guy all the time because the number on Masvidal is chef's kiss it's beautiful it really is most people want to write muscle off because of his three fight skin he might have that silk sheet mentality got a couple m's in the bank now maybe he's not getting up for these fights and burns is a stud you know what i mean but we're in Miami. We're in 305. I watched a countdown show. Masvidal's using those M's in the bank. He's paying some different guys to train him. You know, I think this guy is going to be motivated here to come into a fight with Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns' last two wins. He, he looked flawless, dominate with the grappling over Wonderboy Thompson, Neil Magny. Then he went and fought that wolf that no one wanted to fight, dropped him, made him look human. Some people thought he won, you know, very close fight, but Burns is a real dude. But Masvidal at his best is throwing combinations. He's very explosive. He needs to work both hands at all times in this fight because the way to beat Gilbert Burns is to hit him, right? You need to walk through him. And you need to hit him. He's been knocked out before. He's been bullied before. He's been dropped before. Burns is going to wrestle. I think everyone knows that. 74% takedown defense for Masvidal. I think that doesn't indicate how good he was before those last three fights. The Usman fight, he got him down five times. Second fight, he got him down twice. Colby got him down six. Um, but he's never been submitted except, I believe, John was on the call. Toby Yamada, reverse triangle. Last time he was submitted. Um, so I don't see that being a problem on the ground. And I was going to go Masvidal. That was my rabbit out of the hat, Mr. You know, four-point swing. But since Kenny went like that, we're playing a game. And none of my tricks gave me answers. The stats didn't speak to me. I'm going to go Burns by decision. Um, I'll eat the chalk with Burns. This is a very competitive fight. I can't wait for it to happen, uh, but I'll go opposite. I'll go Burns by decision. All right, Gilbert Burns minus 475, and it is amazing to think back to season one of Bellator in 2009. Jorge Masvidal competed 
on the first Bellator one, which was the first mm-hmm. time I ever called a mixed martial arts fight. That was his 20th pro MMA fight. And then when he got Crazy. to the UFC, he had 30 fights. Right. And, and Crazy. That was our submission of the year on MMA Live. Remember that? Toby Yamada, I believe. That's, right. yeah. That's the only way you're getting Masvidal with a submission is to uh to choke him right? completely unconscious yeah. or uh or maybe to snap an arm. All right. We'll go right back to you, Brian Petrie. I don't need much setup here. Main event for the undisputed middleweight title. Former champ Israel Adesanya, minus 140 against the now champion Alex Pereira, who is in the plus 120 range right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Yes, Adesanya favored. Despite the three head-to-head losses, certainly Mm -hmm. I'm only going to lean into one of those three fights. It's the one that happened last November. Who do you like in the rematch? We don't get many four fights. I mean, I know the two were in kickboxing, but in combat sports, this is special. And I am surprised by the line. I thought it would be even uh, with maybe even slightly favorite Pereira because what has happened, but we're getting Izzy because of what happened in the last fight. Izzy was winning a lot of that fight in the fifth round and got knocked out. That's kind of the story of this rivalry. He was winning the kickboxing fights. Maybe a bad decision. And then the second fight, he was definitely winning and got knocked out. This is a special kind of fight because i think izzy and i don't know anything right izzy's the man i think izzy should have maybe waited a little bit this is scary taking this guy on so short but that's what izzy does he don't give a fuck this is what he wants to do the scarier the better for him and you know i've been watching a lot of his video blogs like he wants this more than anything a lot of people coming on talking about the wrestling i watched round three again that was the grappling round i know kenny watched it like this scared because it wasn't the most high level stuff but izzy did some good things right he landed a lot of strikes more importantly and he kept dragging him back to the ground in that fourth round it looked like Pereira took off because maybe he was a little tired from the grappling so that is an aspect that maybe izzy can lean on he's got a great coach in frank hickman he's the one that coaches uh alexander volkanovsky as well so wrestling is there but that's not going to happen. They want to stand up. Izzy wants to prove to him what happened. There was a perennial nerve damage in the first fight with some kicks. Izzy got a lot of his kicks checked. I like Izzy when he sets up his hands. He was kicking a lot in that last fight. He was kicking pushed against the cage. I think his right hand left hook is deadly. I think his when he's leading with his hands as opposed to his kicks is deadly. The problem is you're going against a guy who can knock out a walrus with his punches. I mean, this dude, the, you listen to that fight. Those studs were amazing. This guy's built different. So Izzy has to get his back off the cage, has to move laterally, and has to set everything up with his hands. Maybe shy away from leg kicks, body kicks, head kicks. Um, and Izzy's my guy. I love Izzy Adesanya. I mean, listen, this is one of my dudes that I root for constantly. I'm good to rock with Izzy here by decision. I think he's going to have to have a perfect, perfect performance. And I think he will. I think he's hungry, but man, I can't, I really truly don't know. And I don't know how much money this is going to get of mine, but I'm going to go Izzy by decision. All right. Israel Adesanya, the pick for Brian Petrie. And I vowed to not have a pronunciation conversation today because yes, you can go Adesanya or Adesanya, right? But the one mm-hmm. thing you cannot do yeah. is have the H sound. I'm not talking to you, Brian. I'm just talking okay. to the MMA masses. Sure. Here. Can't be any H sound in Pereira. It's either Pereira, right? You roll Pereira? the R Pereira or Pereira. It's it's not Pajera. There's no H whatsoever. So there's your disclaimer. Ken Flo, Israel Adesanya. I mean, this guy knows. Yeah, Alex Pereira, Israel Adesanya. <laughs> Seems like they're taking two-way action on this fight right now. Same can be said for the co-main event. We need to pick Ken Flo. You going with Izzy the favorite or Pereira the slight underdog? Oh, man. This is such a fight, man. Uh, yeah, beautiful pronunciation, by the way. Yeah, If there were two R's put together, then it would be Pejeda. If there's just one R, it's Pereira, like you said. But uh, anyways, uh, so fascinating fight. Um, this is a very difficult one. Um, 
I think it comes down to who did their homework mm-hmm. in this one, right? Um, who is going to make the proper adjustments? Now, if Pereira makes the, the proper adjustments in this one, then it's going to come down to his start. I expect him, if he gets off to a good start, it's going to be a bad sign for Izzy fans if Pereira goes out there and starts whacking away at that calf early on. If he lands like any more than two of those in round one, watch out. It's probably going to go the way of Pereira. I think that that is going to be the means to which he wins this fight. Why? Because Adesanya has better footwork. He has the ability to move, catch angles, dance around, uh, get Pereira to extend himself at times where he can counter. That's when Adesanya is at his best. Um, And if you're able to slow him down, um, because Pereira, as good as he is, um, he really is. Uh, he's a juggernaut. He walks forward. He is the rock that that others break themselves against. And all he needs you to do is just stand in front of him. Just give me a couple opportunities. And if he finds your chin, he's putting you to sleep. Um, so he needs to slow Adesanya down in this one. If he gets off to a better start, finds his rhythm early and slows Adesanya down with some calf kicks. Um, it, it's not going to go well. I, I, it's going to be a knockout for Pereira yet again. Uh, so for Izzy, he's got to move well. And we talked about takedowns a little bit on the previous episode. I do think that needs to be a threat or there needs to be the illusion of that threat. Adesanya needs to do two things. He needs to get to the clinch or get to some, you know, at least have the threat of the takedown and needs to nullify that calf kick. Uh, there is a very specific way to do it. We've talked about it before. I think Jose Aldo has the best remedy to that. Uh, in order to do that, you have to be very well balanced. You can't be leaning too far over your lead leg or you will get uh, that calf taken off. So he has to be extremely disciplined. He has to be very smart. And I think he has to mix in the takedowns, but that can't be the primary strategy of what he does. He's a striker after all. And I think it would be difficult for him in his first fight to just look for takedowns to be efficient throughout 25 minutes. Um, So he's going to have to be careful there. I also think he has to be better about when he does get Pereira down on the ground, he has to be better about uh, looking for that ground and pound, landing those shots, leaning on him, get Pereira to waste a lot of energy down there. Let him let him carry his weight, tire him out down there as opposed to give a lot of movement because that's just going to allow Pereira to move a little bit, be more comfortable, and eventually get back to his feet. Um, so I'm going to be a little bit biased here. I, I am an Adesanya fan. I have been since day one. I've been telling everybody about him before he was even in the UFC. Uh, it's been great to see his success. I think this is going to be uh, – this is his toughest matchup. Okay, This is his toughest matchup. I think he needs to get by Pereira. I think we'll see a trilogy fight. I think he will get by Pereira. I don't think it's going to be easy. Um, but man, he's got to be slick. I, I would add the other thing is he does have to also find a way to nullify that left hook uh, from Pereira as well. So um, I can't wait, man. This this is exciting fight. I do think he uh, like like you, Brian. I do think mm. he took this fight a little bit too quickly, coming off yeah. a knock, not a, a TKO loss. He didn't get knocked out, but a, a TKO loss like this, I would have liked to see his body recover a little bit more. Um, but uh, let's go. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal card. And you fly right back home on Saturday, Kenny. You'll be back home to uh, to enjoy the festivities. Is that right? I, I better, dude. I missed. I, I, I last uh, was it two weeks ago. I uh, 
I got in town. I my my phone wasn't playing the ESPN ESPN app. <laughs> I got to the airport, Orlando Airport, seven thirty in the morning. I didn't leave till four forty five in the afternoon. Oof. It was just a total cluster over at Orlando International Airport. I'm missing the fights. I'm freaking out. I'm trying to watch them. <laughs> I get home. You know, I'm like yelling at everybody, trying to get the the, the card <laughs> on the TV, and uh, ended up seeing the last round of Gaethje Fiziev, uh, but ended up watching it again at the end. But uh, what a day! But yeah, hopefully there's no assuming there's no cancellations or, right. or plane delays i will be able to watch it so i can't wait it all goes down on pay-per-view this saturday night from miami dade arena if you want more from brian petrie it is at brian petrie mma mma takes podcast when did you launch that fucking pig anyway what year was it when you launched the uh, MMA uh takes podcast? 2018 all right i have over four i have over 400 episodes myself i was Atta doing boy. two a week for wow. years and years and years congratulations on your 400 episodes that's what matters and thank you for letting me be a small part of it boys appreciate, I appreciate you, brother it. we thank will talk you, to you next week right. as we get ready for Max holloway and Arnold Almighty Allen, Brian Petrie with us here on the Anakin Florida podcast. Yeah, it is an interesting angle, Kenny, this quick turn, relatively speaking, for Israel Adesanya, because there's risk inherent in any decision. And had he decided to idle, which is not his way, as Brian said, then maybe right. they do Whitaker Pareda, and then Robert Whitaker knocks out Alex Pareda, and then all of a sudden those two have unfinished business, and now they're embedded in some series, and Izzy's the odd man looking in. So. Right. It doesn't always work out, but we'll Oof. see how it works out. And uh, a lot of people like Israel Adesani coming up this weekend. Plenty more coverage from DraftKings coming up throughout the week. And don't forget to check out our social handles as well. com for all of your merchandise and everything show related. If you do want to check out our One More Sleep Designs for Miami, millions.co. Kenny Florian, martialarts.com is a pretty good hit as well. That's where I'm going after the fight. I don't know about you guys, but thanks everybody for watching, for listening. And uh, we will talk to you next Monday, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We will recap UFC 287 with the great Teddy Atlas going to join us Monday here on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Uh, thank you to Brian Petrie, our executive producer, Cody Merrill. For Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening and watching. We'll talk to you on Monday. Enjoy UFC 287. You'll live. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.